So um, that's what we're talking about today. We're actually going to be having communion with God. <laughs> now, we're going to be doing that in Haiti next week. You're going to be doing it here next week. And, uh, uh, but, but we have something called communion. We call it the Lord's Supper sometimes. And what God did is he designed for the New Testament church to take some time. He doesn't tell us how often to do it. He doesn't really, you know, uh, give a lot of super specifics on everything. We're going to go over the specifics he does give us, but he doesn't say we have to do it every time. Doesn't say he just told us to do it as believers. And really, the purpose of the Lord's Supper for us is to have communion with God. Hey, so what does it mean to commune with somebody, Tom? What does it mean when you commune with somebody? Well, I guess we're supposed we're supposed to do that in remembrance of. Communion is communicate. Yeah, we have communion when we commune with people. Next week, when we're communing with people in Haiti, we're going to communicate with them, and they're going to communicate back and everything. What else, Chris? When you think of communion, what do you think of? Just the, not necessarily the religious aspect, but just having communion with the, or building intimacy. Building intimacy, exact building. I like that word building because it's not something that you just instantly have. It's something that has to be built. And that's an awesome, awesome statement. Carl, what do you think of when you just think of communing with somebody? You're an old hippie, right? Didn't y'all have the communes, man, and all that? No, I'm messing with you. Yeah, relationships, spending time together, building relationships, communicating. That's not where one person's just talking, everybody's listening like we are right now, right? But it's, it's time to get, what, what do you think of, Fernando, when you think of communing with somebody? Yeah, spending time with them. And so that's what God... You know, there's only a couple of ordinances that we have in the New Testament. One is baptism, which, by the way, not this next week, but the following week, we will be having some baptisms. And I know that's also uh, we've got some other things going on, but there are some baptisms and uh, that are going to happen. So if you've not been baptized and would like to, we are going to have baptisms out here in the ocean. And so the idea of baptism, that's an ordinance. And it's pointing again to the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. As you stand in the water, it looks like a what? Like a cross, right? And so as I take you or whoever's helping me, we take you down into the water. That represents Jesus' death and burial. But fortunately for you, we get to do what? We get to bring you back up again. Yeah, since you're not a fish. And, and so that represents Jesus' resurrection. But what it represents for you is you dying to your old life where you're the boss and then rising to live a new life with resurrection power. And so the one ordinance that he tells us to celebrate is, again, talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it's a message that we preach each time that, that we do this by, by the baptism. We don't even have to say words, but there it is. Um, there's another ordinance. Um, some people in some churches, and it's called foot washing, but I'm not positive that that's something that he says we do like we do baptism and communion. If y'all ever do want to have a foot washing service, just let me know. All right. We might have to start that out in small group. I don't know. But, and, and maybe we'll start it out at Val Salon at, at, at uh, Vision Hairstyling since, since they already have the little bath things, right? But... But, but again, some churches do celebrate that. And, dude, it's pretty humbling. Hey, Fernanda, if you had to just get down right now and take Terry's shoes off and just start washing between his toes, what, would that not be an act of ultimate service and love? <laughs> okay, so, so in order to make this spiritual, you can't have gloves. You gotta, yeah. and, and you have to use your own fingernails to clean under his toenails. That would be, tell me that would not be service in love. That's what, but on the night when Jesus was betrayed, that's, you know, he was showing his disciples. He said, man, 
He said, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be a servant. A leader in Christian world, a leader in Christianity, a leader in Christ worship is being a servant. And he, as the Lord and Savior of the world, who's getting ready to redeem everyone, got down and started washing their dirty feet, man. And, uh, you know, and, and so that was a symbol. And some churches do consider that an ordinance. It's not about, if you, how many of you ever been a part of a foot washing service? Is it not one of the most humbling, wild things? It's, it's like, dude, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's awesome. And maybe we will do that in a small group, but I don't think we do it here normally. And, um, but the other um, ordinance we have is communion, where God says, I want you to have communion with me. And again, it's not something we have to have every week, because sometimes when you do it so often, you lose the significance, but you have to do it often enough. And I got to tell you, I, I count on God to let me know when it's time for us to do it. And today's the day that we're supposed to have communion with him. So we're spending time. We're going to develop our relationship with him. We're uh, investing in that. We're, we're getting closer and we're growing more in love with him. And as we grow more in love with him, we grow more in love with, with others. It's starting here and then moving out from there. So in this... Um, uh, we have an outline that we use. I usually teach every time we do communion here. I teach out of 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's one of the earliest uh, you know, descriptions of communion. Apostle Paul is giving instructions to the, the wayward Corinthian people to say, no, what you've turned this into is something wrong. Here's what communion really is. So what a great passage for us to look at to be able to do communion right and make sure we get it, get what God wants us to get out of it. And so you guys know this. And so for those of you who have never been here, you'll, you'll get this too. But everybody help me out. Put your thumbs up again. Everybody remember, we're going to look four directions. We're going to look back. We're going to look forward. We're going to look in. And then we're going to actually look around. <laughs> and uh, I saw JJ took some liberty and said, look out. Did I put that in there? All right, so anyways, we're looking back, looking forward, looking in, and we're looking around, okay? Or out would work too. And so uh, we're going to look back to what Jesus has done for us. And so let me set this up in 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in verse 23 of chapter 11. And, uh, but the first, uh, I think from verse 17 to 23, here's what happens. The book of Corinthians is where Paul is basically always correcting. He's always scolding them. They're getting something wrong, and he's straightening them out. Because here's what the Corinthians, if you wanted in a nutshell what they were about, here's what their Christianity was. They gave their life to Christ, but they're like, okay, we live in a very, you know, a very modern place with a lot of modern amenities. So what are we, how far can we go? What are we allowed to do? What are we, you know, what, what are we not allowed to do? Instead of just simply surrendering their life to Christ and saying, man, how much more can I give to Christ? They always wanted to know where the edge was. You ever live your life that way? Have you ever known any believers that way? Have you ever been that way? You've got something, you're like, how close to the edge can I get without it being sin? You know, and that's the way they lived. And if you're close to the edge, it's not going to take much to blow you over the edge. Instead, what our life is supposed to be about is, I love Jesus. I, I believe that he's the Lord and Savior of the world. I believe his way is the right way, the only way. It's the truth, and I want to continue to have my life on this earth look more and more and more like what he's saying it should look like. And it's not being concerned with the edge. That's an immature spiritual way to look at your life. But that's where they were always at. And so what they did, they were, had communion. The communion like we're going to have, uh, very similar. But what they did is they said, you know what, man? Let's have a love feast before we have communion. 
In other words, let's just have a party. We'll have communion, but before we have communion, let's just have a party. And now back in that day, when people gave their life to Christ, many of them lost their jobs. They lost their families. They lost their income. They lost their houses. They're very much like a lot of people in the hurricanes right now wondering, what do I do? I know I'm supposed to give my life to Christ, but now I have nothing except Christ and some other people who have given their life to Christ. And that was all they had. And... There were other people who gave their life to Christ, but God allowed them to have some money. They evidently owned their own businesses. They evidently had. And so what everybody did was they had a commune together. Now, we're not told to be communists. That's not what he's telling us to do. But he did say that in that first century, they needed to share everything with each other. You know, everybody's rich and poor. Everybody's rich in something and, uh, and, and everybody's poor in something. Hey, Zane, stand up real super quick. All right. So if I am poor in vertical stature, Zane is rich in vertical stature. We're not equal there on earth. All right. But, you know, but, but he wears it better because he's got it stretched out. But you see what I'm saying? Every one of us has something that we're really good at and, uh, and, or has something that we're rich at and something we're poor at. And so what he did is he designed Christianity that we live life together. We do it in community. You see that word again? Communion. We're doing it in community together. And so God designed it that way. He didn't give everybody everything. Who here thinks they are all of that? Raise your hand. Do I see anybody here who thinks they're all that? Yeah. No, you're not, right? All right. We, we all are lacking. Gary, are you lacking anything, bro? Yeah, but you're also, are there some things you're not lacking in? Yes. And so whatever we have... We use it in community with each other, and, and we do that. And so that's the way he had designed it. That's the way that first century especially had to be. Man, it's kind of like that Greek word koinonia, or a fellowship. You know, it's a couple of fellas in a ship. When you've ever been on the ship with a couple of fellas, you're sharing everything. Um, yesterday, we had some folks out on the boat again on Saturday, and, and uh, Kathy Dude, uh, first of all, uh, where's Matthew at? Matthew, Matthew shared, he had half a sub for me. And I'm like, dude, that's right. And Kathy, she's trying to share half a sandwich with me. And I didn't have to ask for anything. And dude, I was stuffed because everybody shared on the fellowship. We all shared what we had. So that's what was supposed to be going on in the community among believers. And it still really is supposed to be going on. But what they did is they kind of got carnal with it. They weren't doing it for spiritual reasons. And so what was happening now is that all of the rich people were starting to get together in one area and eat their food. And they were giving scraps to the poor people. And all of a sudden, this group didn't like this group. And so this love feast they were having where they were all supposed to come together and show love for each other, they segregated themselves and they became a bunch of little cliques. What a terrible representation of Christ. Man, we're supposed, who are we supposed to love? Everyone. Now, who do we have to like? He didn't say that, right? I'm just saying, no, we're, we're supposed to love everyone. And you know what I found, man? The more I love, the more I fall in love with people, the more I like them. <laughs> it's like, you know, I fall, I, I'm supposed to love. And the more I really just dig in, the more I just fall in love with people. The more I fall in love with God, the more I fall in love with others. I can't help it. And that's what it was designed. But when we kind of kind of start building our own cliques. We start making our own rules. We start looking at it from our perspective instead of his. We mess things up, and that's where it was. And Paul's like, I am not praising you for this, what you're doing. 
You're a bad example to the community. You are not showing the community what Christ is all about. So now I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do with the Lord's Supper. And again, he says, the first thing I want you to do, everybody put your thumbs up. I want you to look back. And what are we supposed to look back to? What Jesus did for you. Roger, what did Jesus do for you? Everything. Everything. What did he do for you, Sharla? Saved me. Saved you. Shay, I know you were hiding behind those sunglasses. What did Jesus do for you? Every, yeah, you can steal his answer. No problem, man. Carl, what did he do for you, man? Mike, Mike, what did he do for you, man? Yeah, right on, man. What? Hey, what did he do? Pittsburgh Rob, what did he do for you, bro? Yeah. And Bill, what did he do for you, man? Yeah. And so, man, he's done. And, and, and we could actually, I give you a piece of paper and you could write down all kinds of things that he's done for you. But yeah, it all comes back to the fact is, is that he saved me and gave me eternal life. And so we're looking back to what Jesus has done for us. You know, um, how long are we going to be on this planet? Yeah, compared to eternity. How long are we going to be? How long are we going to be in heaven? Eternally. Yeah, if you took 100 grains of sand again, you've heard me say this a bunch of times. 100 grains of sand, each one represented a year. That's 100 years, but eternity's not even close to the rest of the grains of sand on this planet. And we have a home in heaven. So looking back to what he's done for me, dude, I got to look to that first. And then if he's got me in heaven, if he's going to take care of me eternally, don't you think he's got me now? You think he's going to leave you hanging here? (laughs) No, not if you're following. But if you're following someone or something else, then you're leaving yourself hanging. He says, man, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll give us everything we need. So therefore, a lot of times, his will for our lives is determined by what we have. So we look back to what Jesus has done for us. Now, again, verse 23 here, he says, Paul says to him, I'm passing on to you what I received from, who did Paul get this from? Hey, Josh, who did Paul get this from, man? I saw you out there staring in his face, man. Where, who did he get it from? He got it from the Lord. Yes, yeah, stay awake because I'm going to keep calling on you. Look, he's looking at his watch saying, okay, how much longer do I have? All right, man. You just haven't perfected like the adults. They can kind of like, you know. All right. I'll pass on you what I received from the Lord himself. So Paul didn't get this from all the other apostles. He got this from, from the Lord. And he says, um, he, I'm passing this on to you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, um, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my what? This is my body. Now, was it his body? No, it was not his body. It was bread. And I'm not going to get into the whole doctrine of transubstantiation and all of that. But what we believe is that this bread right here that I bought at Walmart last night that had a French bread label on it. And I don't know who ripped it up, but I promise you, they, they clean their hands before they did. Yeah. They, they, anyways, this bread is, is representative. That's what I believe is, is representative of Jesus's body. And he's going to show us how it reminds us of what he did for us. When we take this bread, we're going to take some time and we're going to think and we're going to look which way? Back to what he did for me. This is my body, which is given for you. Hey, would as awesome as your body is, bro, could you have done what Jesus did with, your body, with his body? No, your body wasn't sinless. You couldn't have paid for the sin. He, he had a human body. Hey, he came from heaven and put on the rags of humanity and lived perfectly and never sinned. So our bodies wouldn't do because, Mac, what have you done that Jesus didn't do? You, you sin. 
So your body, as awesome as it is, would not have done. <laughs> it, no, it would not have worked, man. In your heyday, bro, it wouldn't have worked, all right? Back when you were, you know, the older I get, the better I was, you know, that, that, that time. It still wouldn't have worked even then. He gave his body, man. He had to take on a body. Hey, if you had a gig in heaven, you know, you had a gig in heaven where you were there forever in perfect harmony, no problems, just you, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and you were God the Son just hanging out in perfection, in unity. How many of y'all would say, you know what, I'm going to take on a body and I'm going to go down there and live with them humans. And I'm going to go be the lowest human and, and be taken advantage of and beat and have most people not even appreciate what I did and not even recognize it. And I, I'm going to go do that because some are going to choose. Man, that's what he took his body. He had to take on a body. And, and he, it says, this represents my body. I want you to think about all of that. I want you to look back to what I did for you. And again, we could preach for weeks on looking back to what he did for us. So I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. I'm just trying to give you some ideas. Let him speak. Let the Holy Spirit say, Holy Spirit, help me look back to what Jesus did for me. And it may be as simple as Seth, the Holy Spirit saying, I got you out of jury duty, bro. I opened your big mouth, got you out of jury duty. You know, it could be as simple as that. But it could be go all the way back to Jesus with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to take it to you and show you how to look back. He said, this is my body, which is given for who? And who's you? How many of y'all are you? <laughs> it's you. For me. It was given for me. Even if no one else would have accepted, it was given for me. Do this in what? Remembers. Yeah, when we remember, we're looking which way? Back. We're looking back. Do this in remembrance of me. Now he goes on and he says in the same way, Paul's telling them, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with his blood. His shed blood was now going to pay for our sins and fully cover us. And when we are covered by the blood of Jesus, when we are covered, it not only takes away the sins of the world, uh, the, our sins, but it, it covers us. And how long are we covered for? Hey, Gary, how long are we covered for, bro? Forever, dude. When he puts that on you, can anybody ever take it off of you? As nasty and stinky as your life may be with sin, and I'm not just picking on you, Gary, I'm picking on all of us. When God looks down, what's the first thing he sees? The covering of the blood, man. And in your position, you are perfect. In your practical life, you know you're not, and that's going to come up in the, in the next section. But he just wants you to know positionally, when he looks down at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the perfect sacrifice, and you are acceptable. Hey, when are you acceptable to him? Always, once you've got that covering. Yeah. Now, there's some times when you do some unacceptable things, and practically speaking, you are still covered. You are still acceptable, but your fellowship's not right with him, and we're going to talk about that. But for eternity, you are covered. And so he says, man, same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup's the new covenant. The new covenant. What was the old covenant? Seth, what was the old covenant? In a nutshell, bro, what was the old covenant? <laughs> Yeah, 
You had to count on a priest to do it for you. you and, and none of those bloods of cows and bulls would ever take away our sins. They were just a symbol of what would happen. It was the blueprint. Now we have the building to live in. And so there's a new covenant. And by the same way, you were, you were, uh, it was a work salvation. You know? It was, it was a work salvation. Ours, we put our faith and trust, we're covered. So he says, man, there is a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with blood. Is there anything more valuable God could have paid for us with than his own blood? Would you ever think about that? Dude, sometimes, I don't know, I wake up and don't feel very good about myself. And there's some days I wake up and I feel like I am at the clearance facility for goodwill over on King's Highway. I feel like that's where, where I'm at, you know, and that's all I'm worth there. But when he has paid for you with his own blood, Luray, could he have paid a higher price for you? Is there any bet? Could he have paid more with anything more valuable? No, it's there. So how valuable are you? <laughs> yeah. And we don't, but the world tells us something different. Do you understand what he paid for you? And, and I know, do you sometimes feel like you're not really worth what he paid for you? But let me ask you a question. Who really gets to determine that? He does. And what did he pay for you again, Zane? Yeah. He paid more than anyone would pay for anything for you. So that should tell you your worth. I don't care what the world values you at. I don't care what you value you at. When you get into God's word and you look back to what he did for you, see the value he has on you. You know? I always joke around. I'm a thrift store, uh, antique store, uh, pawn shop junkie, man. I like walking in those places. And every time I walk in, now a lot of them know me and they have people waiting for me and I get to pass. I'm the pawn shop pastor, actually. They actually do have people waiting for me sometimes. But I, I walk in. And, and, and they're always like, if they're a new employer, they're like, oh, are you looking for anything special? And I'm like, yeah, something I can't live without. Oh, well, keep looking. We got that. And I said, and it's got to be worth more to me than it is to you. And they're like, what? I said, well, that's economics. Economics. I said, if it's worth more to you than it is to me, I said, you get to keep it. <laughs> if it's worth more to me than it is to you, then I'm buying it. And you know what? Think about that. Of what you were worth to Christ, man. <laughs> you are worth everything. To him, that shows value. If I buy this thing at this store, it means it's worth more to me than it is to the one who, who owned it. He could not have paid a higher price for you, man. Isn't that pretty awesome, Jack? Yeah. In the same way, he took the cup, uh, the new covenant between God, his people, and agreement confirmed my blood. And again, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what does this mean to me? Because we could spend days preaching on just this right here. So again, he says, do this in what? as often as you drink it. So what we're going to have you do in a little while is you're going to come up and Zane and, um, and Seth are going to uh, have it here and they're going to, you know, you, they'll be serving you. You can grab it and they're going to make sure, you know, you don't dig around for the right piece, you know. Or <laughs> that, that's really why you guys were up here. No, I'm just joking. They're going to try to, yeah, they're, they're going to have, they're, they're going to serve this. But what I'd like you to do as you're waiting and as you're going back to your seat, as you're sitting down waiting for everyone to eat, I'd like you to be thinking back to what he did for you. Man, take some time and just think back to what he did. Say, ask the Holy Spirit of God to remind you, to bring to remembrance. And it would be really crazy if one day we all got to share what God 
brought up in our own hearts. Because some of you would be like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he brings back things. Let the Holy Spirit reveal something special to you in this. But we're supposed to look back, all right? But by the same token, we're supposed to look, put your thumbs up, we're supposed to, or fingers or whatever. We're supposed to look forward. Yeah, forward to his return. How many of y'all are looking forward to his return? Man, you know, we had a discussion uh, Wednesday night in a small group, and um, we've been, uh, Karen had brought it up. We were talking about crazy things going on in the world. You know, have you ever noticed every one of these things that are going on, you keep hearing on the news, this is unprecedented. This is unprecedented. And most of the time, if you compare it against statistics, it is unprecedented. This hurricane that my baby girl survived, I'm so jealous of her because I'm a weather nerd, and I would love to be able to say I made it through the what number hurricane to ever hit the panhandle? The number one hurricane. This is unprecedented. Again, I'm not making light of all the damage and stuff because, man, we, we lived through some stuff. I've never been in a 150-mile-an-hour wind, even in a storm shelter. And for me, that would be kind of cool, <laughs> you know? But it, it was also the number three hurricane of all times, pressure-wise, and how it all developed. And they say if it would have had more time, it would have just kept going. It was unprecedented. Do you know since last week we talked about the hurricane in ha- or the, the uh, earthquake in Haiti? Uh, that Saturday night, they had, what, that 5-9 that they had? Well, did you know on Sunday after we got home from church, they had a 5-4? And then later that night or early the next morning, they had another 5-4 or 5-5? It's unprecedented, the, 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 the seismic activity that's going on in this world. It's unprecedented, the things that are going on. The things, even in the political systems in the world, everything's unprecedented. And again, Jesus never said for us to, you know, um, you know, be trying to figure out when he's coming back. He said, just know when you see the clouds, it's fixing to rain. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is it fixing to rain? Yeah. I mean, just go look at the news. You say, well, that's just because we know everything. Well, don't you think that's part of God's plan, too? That now all of a sudden we can see everything, we can know anything. That's all part of his plan for us to look forward to him coming back. Anybody here looking forward to him coming back? Do you understand that if you're a born-again believer, when he comes back, where are you going to be? Heaven. How long are you going to be there? Forever. What are you looking forward to in heaven? Hey, bro, what are you looking forward to in heaven, man? Peace. And, 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 and just a, a little inkling of peace? No. What kind of peace? Forever. Eternal peace, yeah. Not the peace and quiet you get when you get to go to the bathroom by yourself and your two-year-old has not put his fingers under the door. You know, not that peace you get when they're taking the nap. That temporary peace. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about eternal peace. Man, the first thing John saw when he looked, he got called up to heaven in the book of Revelation. I think it was chapter four, maybe five, but he, he got called up and, 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 and he heard a voice and he went up there and the first thing he saw was what? Anybody tell me? The throne. the throne. He saw the throne and all of a sudden instant peace because God's on the throne and the throne's there forever. Now, it wasn't so good when he woke up from his dream. Or No, I'm just saying, but <laughs> we're not going to ever have to wake up, dude. Instant peace forever. Who else, man? What are, what are you looking forward to, Joan? Oh, yeah, the presence of God, the full glory of God. 
What happened to Moses when he was, God said, he said, I want to see you. He said, get in the cave, boy. And he put his hand over and he just showed him the backside, right? And when Moses came out, what did he look like? Like Mac right now. You've been spending some time out in the sun, haven't you, bro? Yeah. He went from pasty white to Mac, <laughs> to Mac Brown. And <coughs> but that's what happened. God's Shekinah glory. And that was just the backside covered up. What would happen right now? What happens to anybody whenever they see an angel? What do they say? Ah! And then what do they do? They fall down. And then what's angels say when they're laying on the ground? Oh, don't be afraid. <laughs> it's like... I think God's got that one backwards, or I think God laughs every time it happens. I think it's his sense of humor, but, but dude, we cannot, ex- we can't handle the presence of God. Just little glimpses of his glory. Just little glimpses, man, we can hardly handle. Can you imagine one day being able to handle the full on presence and glory of God? Dude, can you imagine? <laughs> Someone ought to write a song about that. I can only imagine, man, something. Some, don't work on that, all right? <laughs> Mercy, me. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm joking, all right? We're, look forward to his return, man. Look back to what he's done for us, but look forward to his return. Look what he says in verse 26. Every time, so when are we supposed to do this? So is that today? He said, every time you eat this bread, how many of you are going to eat some bread today? All right, how many of you are only just going to pretend because you're like, dude, everybody stuck their fingers in that, man. <laughs> At least it's not flu season right now, I promise. Gary, I'm going to let you go first, all right? <laughs> all right, so <laughs> every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, y'all washed these cups since the last time, right? No, I'm just messing. <laughs> we use new cups, all right? I'm just messing with you guys. All right, every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death when until what? You're telling everybody, I believe he died, he was buried, he rose again, and I am living in his resurrection power. You're telling everybody that. All of us, we're telling each other that as we do this. And we're going to keep doing it until when? So do you believe he's coming back? Or do you believe that's just so some of those fanatical Christians say? You just believe that's something that, you know, all the... But next thing we know, Pastor Ray's going to have a sandwich board on. He's going to be walking through the town. <laughs> the world's coming to the end. I'm going to be Chicken Little, right? No, he's coming back. We're supposed to encourage each other with that. That is supposed to be an encouraging thing that he's coming back. Man, and if it's not encouraging, man, as you're taking some time, man, ask God, say, God, Holy Spirit of God, will you reveal to me how that is encouraging that you're coming back. Will you help me look? What should I be looking forward to for you coming back? You know, maybe what's in the way between me and this world, you know? Uh, but again, ask him, why should I be grateful that you're coming back? And let him show you and ask him again and let him show you and let him show you what's going on. So we're supposed to, first of all, look what? Look back to what he did for us. Look forward to him coming again but now oh this is a hard one take your thumbs and stick them right here yeah we're supposed to look in to judge ourselves why what does it say why so no one else has to who do we represent christ we represent christ how many of you ever had your kids christy your kids ever misrepresent you (laughs) <laughs> she rolled her hand. Does Zane ever misrepresent you? He's one of your kids, right? I'm just saying. Yeah, that will go far, 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 far from the truth, so be careful who you marry, all right? But I think everybody here has got that. But anyways, 
I think that's a good thing, Zane. <laughs> but we're God's kids. Have you ever, have you, how many of you ever been embarrassed by your kids? Just be honest. <laughs> Ashley told me in the other store the other day, she said, there was some, oh, just brat screaming its lungs off in the toy aisle. And, and I'm like sitting there getting ready like to go help that mom with some parenting classes. And Ashley was just like, uh, I don't judge anymore. I just don't judge. <laughs> it's like, that's amazing, the empathy when you experience that. But what God is saying here is one of the reasons I want you to commune with me, not just when we have Lord's Supper, but I want you to commune with me on a regular basis. Hey, how often can you look back, look forward, look in, and look around? Every day, all day. But this is a time where we're going to make sure we do it. And what he's saying is I want you to look in because give me an opportunity to show you some areas of your life where you're not representing me as my child. Because that's the only, from the time you're born again to the time I bring you home, that's your number one and only job is to represent me as, your child, as my child. That's what I want you to do. You know? And so he says, I want you to say, what am I doing wrong? Would that blow, what, would that blow you away, Christy, if Josh came, uh, came to you guys and said, okay, you know, I know I'm not perfect. Like, you know, would, you, would you agree with that, Josh? You're not perfect. You're close, right? But if jo- Josh would come to you and say, okay, I, I know I'm not perfect, but... I really want to represent you guys the way you want to be represented. What are some areas of my life that I can fix? <laughs> After you thanked it and got back up again. <laughs> he probably has already done that, hasn't he? Yeah. No, you're not going to lie in church, are you? But, but literally, man, I mean, that's kind of what he's asking us to do. To come to him and say, hey, you're my heavenly father, and my whole goal in life right now is to represent you. Give me, show me some areas where I can improve. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think God's going to be like Zane and dump everything you've done wrong on top of you? No, he doesn't do that, does he? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> mom, he's going to be more like your mom and just give you one area to fix, <laughs> right? So, if, seriously, that, that, uh, what would happen if God just dumped on us all our imperfections at one time? It'd be overwhelming, wouldn't it? But our Heavenly Father is just going to give us a little to fix each time. But I guarantee you, if you ask them, every day, ask the Holy Spirit, what's an area in my life that I can improve so I can represent you to this world while I'm here, on the clock for you? And I guarantee you, he'll give you something. But he says, look in to judge yourself so no one else has to. Because if, if Keone doesn't straighten up, what's he going to get? It? A spanking. <laughs> Whatever that spanking looks like. It says in, in the book of Proverbs, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And we're the children of God. Foolishness, that's what foolishness is, where we act as though there is no God. That's bound up in our natural heart. But he says, but the rod of correction, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, which is anything between a battle club and a twig, and our Heavenly Father knows which one we need, that will drive the, the foolishness from us. So that's what he's saying here. His whole, the Holy Spirit's going to probably start with a twig and say, okay, fix that. And then if you don't fix that, dude, you may have been every communion, you've been getting the same thing. And, and today might be the battle club day. He might just break it out on you. I, we'll pick you up and help you out. But I'm just saying, you got to ask him, say, what is it that is needing to be fixed between me and you so I can represent you? So again, we're looking back, we're looking forward, we're looking in to judge ourselves so no one has to, especially God. Because it's not going to change our eternal pers- where we're going for heaven. 
but it may change the way our life is right now. So look at what he says in verse 27, and this is one of the main points he makes for those in Corinth. He says, so any one of you who are eating and drinking this bread this, and this cup of the Lord, what's the last, next word? Unworthy. In other words, you're just doing it because it's part of church, man. Dude, you know what? I'm so full. All the blood of, of my body's being used to digest my food because of the big love feast I just chowed on. Let's get this communion over with so I can get home and get a nap. You know, and you're doing it in an unworthy manner. You're not doing it for the reason God wants you to do it. He says, you're guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, dude, he paid the highest price for you, and you're just treating it flippantly like it's nothing. He said, I want to see some respect. I want to see some reverence. I got, we got some things to work on here. This is something you need to take serious. So verse 28 says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So there it is. As you're, as you're coming to get it, as you're walking back, as you're hanging out waiting uh, to, to partake in it, when we all partake together, what are we supposed to be doing to ourselves? Examining ourselves. Saying, God, what is it? Uh, you know, look back, look forward, look in, say, what is it in my life that needs to be taken care of? That's what the context is for the Corinthians. We're supposed to be examining ourselves. And he goes on and says, For if you eat the bread and, or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourselves. Hey, what's it like when you're trying to correct Keone and he's running around laughing at you? <laughs> How does that? <laughs> Ooh, it's like he's obviously not getting the... Does your kid ever do that, Christy? I'm just picking on a few here, but... You know, did Christy ever do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or what's Crystal's name? What, what? Crystal the Pistol. Did she ever do that? Yeah. And, and, and it used to be, wait till your father gets home, right? You know, and that still gets used, wait till your father gets home. But yeah, if what you're doing for correction isn't getting anybody's attention, then what do you got to do? You got to bring a little, ramp up that correction a little bit, exactly. And every one of us is a child of God. And so, again, he's saying, man, you're just bringing judgment. Just listen. Have you ever just tried to reason with your kids and said, if, if you would just, I know, not Sophie. Sophie's got it. But the little ones, have you ever seen your parents laboring over reading? If you would just listen, it will all go well for you. I won't get, we won't have to go through this again, right? Yeah, aren't you glad you just, you're the wise one and just listens the first time all the time? Man, way to go. You're just like Emily. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, he says, man, just listen the first time. And, and he goes on and says, There's all, some of you are experiencing consequences of this. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and some of you have even died. You know, if you're God's child and you're supposed to represent him and you're not doing it and you don't listen to the correction, when you die, where are you going? Going to heaven. But he doesn't have to keep you on this earth. You know, I don't know how all that works out in heaven. You're in heaven. You're going to dig that. But the fact is, is you never got to do what you were created to do here because of your disobedience. He'd take you out of this world. So he says, man, take this serious. He said, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. So we're going to look back. We're going to look forward. We're going to look in. 
and ask God, what, what is it? How, how am I doing, God? What do I need to work on? You know, so I don't have to have a spanking. Or God, what do I need to get straight so I don't have to get spanked anymore? <laughs> and then the real purpose for all of it is not just to look back, look forward, look in, but it's to look around. And it's to help all those others, people here, to escape eternal judgment. How many of y'all had somebody help you see the gospel? How many of y'all, all right, yeah, how many of y'all had somebody else in your life share the gospel or somebody praying for you, somebody helping you? Right. You know, very few of you, if any of you, got saved all on your own in a little cave on a desert island by yourself. God uses people. That's his plan. That's why he left you here. And so if we're not representing him, if we're not practicing what we preach, how many people are going to listen to that? Not many, right? And so he says, I want you to look around so you can help others escape this eternal judgment. Look what he says. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined. So you're, you're telling God, hey, hey, guess what? I, I wrecked the car last night and, uh, you know, I did this and I did this. And your parents, oh, thank you for being honest with me. Is that you're going to hear? No. <laughs> there's going to be a spanking. There's going to be punishment. There's going to be some kind of correction, something. But guess what? It, 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 it all works out in the end, as opposed to mom and dad going out there like, hey, what happened to the car? Well, I don't know. Dude, somebody must have hit it or something. You know, I don't know what happened. And then later they find out you're a what? What's that word? Liar. That didn't really happen, did it? Is Holy Spirit prophesying through me? No, I'm just joking. But. <laughs> He was acting like it really happened. But, but so what he's saying is there's going to be discipline. God's got to discipline us. We don't do, well, you ever heard the saying, we don't do what's expected. We do what's inspected. Until the pain to change is less than the pain to stay the same, we don't change. So there has to be sometimes some discipline to make it uncomfortable to convince us to change. And God's trying to help us avoid that. So he goes on, man, when we're disciplined, yeah, but he said the reason is so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So let me ask you a question. Who's being condemned? The world's going to be condemned. So there are people that are going to be condemned, and when you are condemned, where do you end up eternally? You end up in hell. And so he wants to use you as an example. He wants to use you as a witness, as a mouthpiece, as, to be able to lead by your lifestyle and then your believable words. <coughs> That Jesus really is the only way. And again, you can't save anybody, but you sure can be used. And that's what it's all about. Say this real quick and we'll celebrate this. But you see these colors around on our shirts and everything. And what this reminds me is, when I look back, I see that this black, that my life used to be full of sin. And there was no way for me to cover that sin any way. But one day, he gave me faith to be able to believe that the blood of Christ, which is this red color, would cover my sins. What Jesus did on the cross would pay for my sins. And it gave me the ability to surrender my life to him. And so now that covers my sins forever. So that's looking back. Looking forward, this gold reminds me, because he's covered my sins, I have a home where? In heaven, forever. But the green reminds me of why he's left me here. That as I live in this broken world with his power and with his presence and seeing it from his perspective, and watching him do things supernatural, I grow more in love with him. As I grow more in love with him, I grow more in love with others, and I want to share this with them. This last part is about the green. It's part of the growing process of him correcting us and straightening us up so we can be that representative we're supposed to be. So ending on all of this, it's all about communion with God. 
Having that relationship, talking back and forth. That's what I want you doing with God. Spending time growing that relationship. And one more time before we head up there, I'm going to put your thumbs up and help me out. I probably won't ask you to do this, but 10 more times today. But look what? Back, look, look, and we look around. So the band's going to come up. I think they're going to noodle or something, right? Y'all going to play some music, right? But um, I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying... I want to invite you to come on up and see Seth and um, Zane and take the bread, take the juice, and remember what it represents and remember which ways you're supposed to be looking and just use this as an opportunity to develop and grow in your relationship with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you set this up. Father, I think back of, uh, it was no accident that Jesus did all this on Passover week because he was the Passover lamb. Um, he was the real deal that really would be the sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. And um, Father, I think of Passover, the first one where the Jews were delivered from Egypt, the bondage of being enslaved in Egypt. It was nothing more for us than a picture that one day we would be saved and we would be free from the bondage of our sins. And this is the real deal. This is not the blueprint, this is the building. This is not the shadow, but this is the substance. So Father, as um, we commune with you in what we call communion, I pray that each of us would look back and your Holy Spirit would reveal to each of us what that means to us. We would look forward to heaven and you would just make that such a joyous thing to look forward to. We would look in and see areas of our life where we could represent you better. And we would judge ourselves. We don't have to be judged. And the whole purpose is so that others could see what you look like in the flesh. What it looks like to have a giant, perfect, loving God living inside of us. The world would be able to see that and they would be spared eternal judgment. So Father, I pray you would accomplish those things in our lives as we partake in the Lord's Supper to have communion with you. So if you would, you can go ahead. And come on up.
again, the Bible tells us um, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Before we uh, sing our last song and we're dismissed, I'm asking Zane to pray for us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this, uh, for this bread. We thank you for this cup. Uh, Father, we thank you for the ability to look back. We thank you for the joy of looking forward. We thank you for the agony of looking in. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to look around and share this gospel message with those that you put in our path. Uh, so Father, this week as we go about, as we read your word, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see. We pray that you would open our ears to hear, that you would open our hearts to understand. Lord, that we might turn from our wicked ways, look to you and be healed. In Jesus' name, amen.